Hello, welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with our co-host, Lance Psycho. How's it going? Hello, hello. So uh, basically, Inside the Firm is an inside look into an architecture development firm, uh, a business firm where we kind of reveal the curtain. We let you behind the scenes on what we're doing, uh, architectural-wise, business-wise, development-wise, all that. Uh, so we're just going to dive right into it. So Lance, what do you got for us? I have the audacity of the audit. That is the title of today's podcast. I wanted a yell of hope. Of, but of the audacity of hope. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Quite, of the quite, audit. quite the opposite. What a good name. So most recently, uh, I'd say within the last month or so, we, we were audited. Not by the IRS, by, but by the Department of Labor in the state of Colorado. And let me set this up just a little bit. So if you own a firm or work for a business, this applies to you. <laughs> so basically everyone. And what I mean by that... Basically it, everybody. Honestly, yeah. everybody should... Any This is for anybody. 100%. Yep. So it's whether you should be hired as an employee or as a contractor. And that was that was our main sticking in, in point. Independent contractor. Yep. Um, especially if you're, if you are in the architecture field or the construction industry, chances are you have been hired as what they call an independent contractor, AKA a 1099 employee. So, and the employee is a tricky word, right? Yeah. So when, when Alex and I were coming into, uh, this business, uh, I, I was hired as a 1099 employee under, uh, at the first firm that I worked here at here in, in Colorado. And I think you did some work too, right? Yeah. Uh, with that sort of, not, not in Colorado, but in uh, your pretty, life. Well, here's a couple examples. One for, I was an intern and I'm pretty sure it was just 1099 because it was a stipend. You can't pay an employee a stipend of below minimum wage. No. Because we got maybe 1200 bucks for the... Do you, I, do you remember how it worked with taxes and all that? I don't know, but it was like five bucks an hour. <laughs> And this was like not that long. I mean, I guess it's like it was shout seven. Out, shout out internships in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I'm not complaining about it. It was great. Lots of people do it. Uh, so oh, you I, shouldn't. You know what's funny? I, I Googled us this morning to see where, just to see how our rankings came up because we got a few more Google reviews for Longmont. And like on the third link, it says it had the recommendation from Daniel Liebskin for you because it's on, because it's on our website. So there you go. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> worth it. It's worth it. Yes. Daniel Liebskin <laughs> The fact that me. Al Gore and Daniel Liebskin are in the same sentence. We had many a talk in the elevator on the way up and down. Only like five, but we used to go in a bunch of meetings together. Yeah. So there's one big example. Are all interns paid? A lot of them? Summer work? Ten. So so we also had a couple employees. We had uh, all of our employees and our former employees knew that we were, that this audit was happening because A, they're going to get phone calls. At first... Alex and I were honestly in like slight panic mode, right? Because no, I wasn't. You were. Oh, it was me. Yeah. Didn't they switch back? But it switched back and forth, didn't it? Because I swear, one day I'd be in panic mode, and the next day you'd be in panic mode. I was. Maybe sometimes I pretend to be in panic mode just so we're on the same page. Oh, okay, all right. He was <laughs> never panic. Calm, cool, collective. That guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a panic. If that's a how you. <laughs> but this is why they called me up first and said. It... So it was a phone call. I thought it was an email. No, it's look. This call. is how far off we're on the same page. Because because they said we sent a letter to you. Um, what's your address? And I go, well, where did you send it? Um, and they sent it to Minnesota, some place in in Minnesota. Oh yeah, yeah. But why not, why did that ever happen again? Because they looked you up in Rochester, where you not live? even Rochester, not even where my parents live. Because sometimes I get stuff for Keith, my dad, old man. Shout out, old man River. Do you really? Oh yeah, all hmm. the time. 
Um, and dad, Rog- I just, Rogaine products? <laughs> <laughs> Love Keith. I just rip it up. It's normally for Chevy, which is like the truck I bought. Speaking of which, how do you have so much hair compared to Zach? Zach is his brother. Oh, I didn't go into the army and get shot at. Oh, that's right. I well, think. no, I did go into the army. I did not get you shot not. at. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Al's hair is really holding strong, i got to oh, say. it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I was getting some coffee. Um, what were we talking about? So you got the phone call. So first, yep. first, first, there was some letter that was sent to yep. some, you know, who knows in Minnesota. Then you get a phone call, yes? Yeah, and I said, here's our new address. And she said, we're not the IRS. We're just looking at employees and why I wasn't as freaked out as you, because it was this difference. Do you classify them as contractors or employees? Basically. So let's say that somebody comes to work for you. Do you have them fill out a W4 or do you have them fill out a a W9? Yep. One, I thought we've done everything the right way. And then two, even if we haven't, there's probably nothing we could do to make it seem like it was the right way. So the end result would be the same. Yes. Yes. That's what that was going through my head of of yeah it well, is it is kind of what it is it is what it is right yeah so we thought basically there's a couple employees um, slash contractors that were in school at the time they had another job they were in a different city Denver um, what's the city south of Denver you know suburbs they're just in the suburbs of Denver all around doesn't yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, really yeah, exactly Denver Metro yep. When it when it really come into the office, maybe once in a blue moon. Some never, some never, and some one in particular. We actually offered a full time job and said, "Hey, here's an offer. Would you know, come up? We'd just love to have you in every day. We'll help you with relocation. Like you know, we will literally help you with your deposit to get in an apartment, stuff like that. Yep. Just wouldn't have it. Wouldn't have it. Wouldn't have it. So, yep. using their own computers and literally minimal." communication um besides uh, uh maybe some initial training we anyone that does any work for us we say hey watch these videos do whatever even if you don't do work for us and ask me for advice about revit i say watch these videos <laughs> do, do this um so we get people up to speed and then we say hey here's a project do the red lines whatever and then they'll send stuff back so in our head that's not an employee if i can't have a person in my office doing what i tell them using my machines working when i want them to uh, they don't have another side job or also in school. Man, I don't, it's hard to call you an employee in my head. Now, in Alex's head and in my head too. So in, in our heads, right? Turned out we were wrong. <laughs> Turn, turns out we were wrong. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, but to back it up, another reason why I had I had the idea that this was okay was because of a former employer, employer who basically, when I moved to Colorado, they, you know, I, I signed a 90 day, I signed literally a 90 day sort of trial period contract. They had me fill out a W9 and I thought, okay, that's, if it's set up that way, that's right. If there's it. this private contract between us, why does the state even need to be involved? Right. Yep. And so we just kind of use that practice moving forward. The difference was like Alex was saying is we, those, a lot of these guys were never in our office. Right. The, the difference with me there was I was in the office every day. And at the, when, I, when I got laid off from that job, I eventually became a full-time employee when I got laid off from that job. I, I genuinely thought something seemed a little fishy about that. And so now that we went through it. Yeah, it, it is fishy. But why it made sense to me that, not what we did. What we did made sense to me because, again, they were not in the office. They, they were at school and had some of them had legitimate second jobs. So, or, or like little mini businesses. Or little mini businesses was... Uh, it made sense because 
when you're hiring someone, when we give someone an employment offer, we know in, in our head, like this is easily a year. And that's how I always think about it. It's easily a year and you're easily an employee for as long as you want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, just that long-term mentality. And because to, in my head, it's a long-term mentality, it means that there should be a trial period and you should know it's a trial period. I should know it's a trial period. So that first 90 days, that three months is, are we a good fit? Were you lying about your skills? Are you not diligent? Do you not show up on time? Do the are personalities on- fit within the culture that we have here? You know? Ex- exactly. And in, in, in my head, it was a way of letting people know. And then it was a way of not committing where an offer to me seems like, Man, because what we would do is we would do ninety day reviews. Now I think yep. you, I think, and now that we went through this process, we we you know we could still set it up like that. Yeah, I have a dumb question for you. Then. But we can't, we can't the pay the way we pay all that it has to it had to it has to be one hundred percent changed because of what, the lesson we learned here. Yeah. So someone contacted us because they lost a job up in Fort Collins and moved from like Michigan um, because it didn't work out with that firm and was looking for a new job and we just didn't have anything at the time, but why I like the 90 days and not the full, if I give you an offer letter, I feel like I can't lay you off for at least a year. Like I, I feel like, and and here's a stupid question. You you can, you can, but morally, right. Isn't your moral compass coming into play here? That's what I'm getting at is that, is it more, that's just a moral hang up that I, or you have probably. And it's not a real, quit being such a nice guy. You can fire them in two weeks. Who cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like get out of here. I don't know. I'd love. Take I'd love a drafting table. I'd love other people to weigh in on this. Um, uh, Mark, I, I anybody anybody who has experience with this because yeah, so so to to get down to brass tacks, um, we we tried to have as much paperwork together for this audit when it came down when it came down to D Day. Right. So so the gal comes into our office from the state. We have our bookkeeper there. Our bookkeeper kind of had had me a little bit scared in the sense that Alex maybe too about fines. You know, we didn't know what kind of fines we were looking at. We just, you know, we're, as everybody knows who's listening to this podcast, we're doing a development. So, like, cash is king around here. We have to hold on as much as we can. It, like, it, we're hired two more employees. If we had, we were just thinking that it was going to be fines in the, in the, in the tens of thousands of dollars, some crazy number, just to, like, yeah. teach us a lesson. Who knows? And th- just thinking, oh, my gosh, this might sink the ship type of thing. It, it was yeah. some serious panic. And I, I, was I was so thinking- angry that day. How, how many people were in question? Four or five? I think five people. And it was, so I was thinking maybe 5,000, 6,000, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to talk? I wasn't, I was actually watching my baby. Uh, shout out Atlas during, so I couldn't be at this meeting. So do you want to talk about some of the interactions? There? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was, uh, she came, the gal came in on a Friday. Very, very nice. Very nice. But also, if everybody, <laughs> I, I, I don't like rules. So, you know, yeah. this is a very rule oriented person. So it's, it's difficult for me to like stay patient with that. It's difficult for me to, for, for me to, for me to have somebody come into my private office. It's a private business. I feel like I, and, and this on top of top of that, when we sort of morally justified in our head already that we were doing the right thing. And that at the end of the day, all of these guys, uh, all, all of the, all of our, these who had been, all these guys who we thought were 10 and nines would ended up, they basically should have been W4s. In my head, it was all, every time it, it was boiled down to, we're giving them their first shot. Like, 
gosh. Especially, Boy, I just feel I just feel like under attack as an entrepreneur and a capitalist and, and a person who believes in personal liberty and freedom yeah. and all of those things. Because this this audit was for the 2015 year. Yeah. And, and it was the first year we ever really turned a decent profit. And they told Alex, quote unquote, it was random. Random. Oh, come on. It can't be. It can't be. It I believe it was random. But Whatever. I'm a positive man. <laughs> I, I'm gonna this. Yeah, I want to sidetrack. It's my this. it's my conspiracy theory because on, I, on the audit. Yeah, I uh, I never thought about it that way. Of someone coming into a we we rent it, but we literally pay for. Oh, this you space. you didn't. Well, maybe because maybe because you didn't get to see it. Maybe you would yeah. have had that. But you know how I don't like some of the Boulder County rules for a sprinkler, and uh, you know how I don't agree with Boulder County. Alex sometimes. Alex hates rules too. <laughs> I, can you imagine once once I design and build our my house, which the firm is going to help build too, because yep. it's going to be this whole thing. So we're going to physically build the house, and if someone comes in and tells me something about like how how angry inside I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little crab apple. I know, I know, I know, I know. The best the best advice oh, yeah, I, hard to deal with myself. The forty the forty thousand foot view at this point with your house. My advice is uh, if you can get somewhere where there's not an HOA, because I think it'll drive you insane. Like I, I my, really don't won't like that one bit. No, no, no. I had a chicken fight with my HOA. Yeah. <laughs> so and honestly, so. I less things piss me off than you, but those few things that piss me <laughs> off. What? <laughs> now you get angry all the time. It's true. <laughs> but the ones I get angry about, I feel like I get really angry about. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny actually. It's funny because it's funny because it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. You know? No, he's pissed. Al's pissed now. Whereas what? me whereas me everybody's just like, eh. So back to uh, so to get back to the audit. So the gal the gal comes in and I'm you know I'm I'm thinking all those things that I already explained, and we go through and she's asking for paperwork and we're showing her this and that and then I kind of she I kind of I you know our book my bookkeeper was doing a really good job about she was had everything ready but she was also very inquisitive and and kind of softened the whole discussion in that she she played she, for lack of better words like she played dumb in the sense that like we don't know we don't know and you know nice. me i was i i was just struggling to like keep it under control and not be angry mm-hmm. that this was happening to us so it was like this good cop bad cop situation right nice. you weren't here and um so she gets down to telling us well here just let me show you let's just let's just pick one out and I'll, we'll talk we'll see if they qualify as a contractor or not so it's as simple as this to where if anybody else ever gets audited on this. Can, can you write down who, who the example one was that you're going to talk about? Oh, so, so the viewers, the listeners don't see. I don't need, Oh, this was, a, this, was a, this was actually not technically oh. an, employee, an employee. This was a, like a subcontractor for us. So, oh, we, so actually, in the end, we ended up getting fined, I think, for like five people. Um, but it was only 400 bucks. It was only, it was, it was under, it was under $500. It's a very small percentage and it's a really nice slap on the wrist. Like at the end of the day, I do think it was good that this happened to us, that we went through this cycle early. Cause I still think we're early in terms of how old the firm is. Right. Yep. And, and just to let you know, and, and they weren't large amounts of money that they could. So what they do is they take a percentage, right? It was, I think it was zero point or it was a uh, 1.3% or something of the total, what you pay a 1099, that's kind of the fine you get. Gotcha. Something like that. It, it, it's a very small percentage of the amount of money, and that's how they do it. And before you dive back into you know talking with her, w- what happened is after this meeting, 
you know, she got all this information. Then she went back to her office, and about two to three weeks later, she sent us a letter with uh, basically her her judgment of what was right, what was wrong, and then a fine. Um, so if this is going to happen to you, you probably haven't prepared for it um, because it's in the past. But just know that initial fine is probably going to be pennies. And it's just literally... It, it's Don't lose more. sleep over it. Don't get crazy angry like I did. Um yeah, I, I you just gotta take just, you just gotta take it as it comes if, if this ever yep. happens to you. And I don't know how this this lady, I think she said she does like about a hundred and fifty a year. And all I would say is just gather whatever paperwork you have. If you don't have the paperwork, then you don't have the paperwork. And then just go, here you go. This is what I have, what I don't have. I don't know. Um obviously you shouldn't willingly try to break any laws. We weren't either. Right. But just just put it out there. Um because I bet you there's interpretations of, from each state and each person. Too. Exactly. So for the specific state of Colorado and for specifically this gal, what she did, so she brought up, she pulled up the name of one of these a contractors, actually a contractor that helped us build a tiny house. He is an independent contractor. He has his own company. So he qualified. So yeah. it was a good one for her to look up. So and, and how she looked him up was basically she went on to see if he was registered with the uh, um, state of it, Dora, state of Colorado. So yeah, the Department Dora. of, uh, occupational regulation agency, something yep. like that. But you set it up through like the attorney, like the state the, attorney, the, the secretary of state, secretary of state. So right? same thing applies for every state in that regard. Yep. So they'll look up if they're registered, if there's and, a trade name, first of all, if there's a trade name, who does it, you know, a lot of times it's like registered, right? It has to be unregistered under your name. Um, you know, then they look up and see if they're an LLC, S Corp, C Corp, whatever. Yep. And then they might look if they have an internet website present. Exactly. That was the third step. Yeah. So the third step was she literally goes on Google and sees if they're advertising anywhere else. Which is, which is so weird because I feel like that's maybe, maybe back in the day they'd look for a telephone number for a company. Well, here's the other thing. So part of, part of the, my, my, my dad came down. And as a as a licensed contractor and and worked on the tiny house and we paid and this him is what contract. he does literally his job is to work for other a bunch of yeah. different people and she asks and she asks me well does he have is he advertising anywhere else and I'm like no the guy is an old cowboy who just goes around and talks to people yeah and then they're like hey can you help me fix this barn I, I need a new deck yeah and, and and Mitch is like yeah I'll be over Monday yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and it's like uh, maybe there's a handshake. Yeah. Maybe there's a handshake. 20 to 30 years of doing this. <laughs> 20, literally 20 to 30. Yeah. Eh, about 20, yeah. Yeah. 20 years ago. Oh, that. but he doesn't have a website. Get out of town. Get out of town. I know exactly. The guy The guy just got a smartphone for the last for the first time last year. Yeah. Every once in a while he texts. Yeah. Every once in a while he texts. So that's, that's the gamut of how they run through if somebody's an independent contractor or not. And I go, so... So then, so then there was other people that she investigated too, because if you're an architecture firm, you are most likely going to hire at some point, like a subcontractor to do maybe an energy rating. Maybe they're a structural engineer, a mechanical engineer, all of those things. Here's, here's the part that blew, blew Alex's, our, our mind is that, so our structural engineer was in question. Well, I, you know, I, I knew he was going to pass. That's no, that's no problem. Like he actually sends us formal invoices, the whole deal. And then she goes... But she goes, what you need to keep in mind is if that, if this entity, you know, let's say, you know, Bob's engineering, yep. if he or she, if you account for their 80, over 80%, I thought it was 70, 70, sorry. If, the, if you account for 70% of their income, 
they're not an independent contractor. And I go, what? And she goes, well, the criteria is, let's say, let's say. We went away. We went away. Then their business fails. Maybe, maybe not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that as a, as a, as a freedom loving, just not, you know not impressed it? with the government person that, that killed me inside because I thought like, how is it your business? Why that is such a strong maybe. Why that's actually, I would say incorrect. That's overstepping. Why that's incorrect. Um, not only is because it's egregious, because with this engineer too, um, we thought like one, he wouldn't come into our office. He wouldn't work for us. Like, so we have to basically fire this engineer because he won't be our employee. Oh my God. In the new building we're building, we've, we've offered like, we, we'd love to just have you in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what's also crazy about this is that that 70%, let's say we, we, Lance, we'll go away for two reasons. One, let's say the economy tanks and just goes nowhere. Well, that engineer his might tank just because the economy tanks. Yeah, exactly. So it has nothing to do with us. Or let's say we go in, out. Um, we we don't listen to that paper that they gave us. We break all these rules. We get fined. We do bad stuff, and we go out just because we're corrupt and terrible. Well, David's not going to go out of business. That business is still here. The other architecture firm right across the street is going to get exactly. it. Exactly. David knows them. He, there you go. So it's totally false. It's a false statement. That is. Be- it's a false. It's a false premise for assuming. For it's a false. Like, what am I looking for here? It's a false reason. Assumption yeah, it's from. a false assumption yep. by the state. I'm not responsible just because I'm not. Here's, here's, my, here's my problem. I'm not responsible for that person not uh, having five different architecture firms that give him an equal 20% of their work. Like, yeah. I'm not in control of that person. It's if their business fails. Uh, why would I be? Why would that fall onto me? And it's also crazy because let's say. Uh, he worked for us and got 70% of his work. And uh, let's say we'd say, we can pay you 70,000. Well, he's like, well, I want to make a hundred thousand. I can sit here at my place. I can get 70% from you and 30 from else. And I can make a hundred thousand. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I do that? That doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's actually terrible. I'm actually getting kind of upset about this. (laughs) The the next part (laughs) that's kind of upsetting about this is that there's huge, huge contractors that work majority over 70% of the deliverables are for the government. Should they not exist to exactly. just be the government? Exactly. How, what a double standard. What a double standard. What's a good one? Boeing? Boeing or, or Bo- like uh, Raytheon? Freaking Raytheon? Raytheon. But whoever makes a whole bunch of... Whoever makes um, weapons that aren't for civilians. <laughs> Who else is going to buy them? Raytheon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, right. so in conclusion... Uh, we, you know, we we got this small fine. We got the slap on the wrist. If we ever uh, continued any of those practices with any, right now, just for the record, so everybody knows that right now everybody's a W two slash W four. It's the same. It's the same thing. You haven't filled a W four, and then you pay them with a W two. Yep. That's everybody at our firm is is that way at this point. We are seven strong. But if should we, and actually, Alex was saying earlier today, if we get this other project, we might hire somebody else. Well, they'd be a W four. But let's say for some reason we we're crazy and we're like, ah, they'll never. Let's try try this again. If we tried it, if we did what we thought was right a second time and we know now that it's not, then, then we're looking at major major fines. Then you're looking at major fines from the standpoint of like five to 10,000 per infraction. Yep. Per infraction. Um, so, but, but here's, here's the things you should know. If you're hiring an independent contractor before you pay them, you're supposed to get a W nine from them right away. Yep. So know that, write that down. That's huge because you number will get, one. Yep. 
if you're hiring someone, get a W-2 from them and a physical copy. Because what we used to do, what we did do, ADP is all online. So I would log in, I'd set them up, and then I'd have them come to the computer. No, no W-4. But oh, yeah. W-4. You're yeah. right. You're right. This W-4. Is for, yeah. So I not, uh, the W-9, independent contractor. W-4, full-time employee. Yep. Um, they physically have to fill one out. And we're filling one out every single year. So Here, here's the other form you have to do, too. Ooh, I was gonna, this was my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> this is the best story, isn't it? Yeah. So the other form you have to fill out is an I nine, and the and it's there's a real strict mandate to do that since nine eleven is because of the Homeland Department of Homeland Security Act and the Patriot Act. That's what yep. I'm looking for. So, for anybody who doesn't know what the I nine is, and everyone should know because everyone has to fill this out. Everyone, even the owner, even if you've grown up in the United States, even you know who you are. But what's crazy is that it's to verify that you're not an illegal immigrant. So I, so we had all that filled out, ready to go for this audit, right? I, I even filled it out, and so I had to like as the, as the fifty uh, percent owner in the company, I had to fill one out, as a also a W four employee of the company. So I looked at the gal and I said, "Do I even need to fill this out?" Oh yeah, oh yeah. Got to be done. Got to be done. Ridiculous. Uh, why I think this is so important is that if you're a sole proprietor, every year you should be filling out a W-4 and a W-I-9 I, I, for yourself. Just to check that you haven't become an illegal alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the redundancy of the state. Yeah. I'm just saying. What was also crazy, <laughs> when I was registering one of the trailers um, for one of the tiny houses, I was at the DMV. Like, oh, we need a representative from the company. I was like, oh, great. I am that representative. And, and she's like, no, we need someone different. I was like, wait, wait. I own a, a substantial stake in the company. I am authorized to sign for everything. Uh, what do you mean? Like, no, we just need someone different. It doesn't matter. I go, it, it just didn't compute. It did not compute. They literally had to call you. Remember, you had to sign something. I was like. You what? were so pissed that day. What? <laughs> so even even Lance, let's pretend you owned seventy five percent or eighty percent of the which, company. Which which I don't. We're fifty fifty. Yeah, um, you would have to call me at <laughs> fake twenty. Hey, could you uh, approve that I could sign for the company that you I own? Had Maddie P do it. Our fake oh. board member <laughs> slash real board member. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Caleb. Oh, Caleb. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's too funny. Funny stuff, government. You're you're funny guys. So. Okay, so you get all those forms filled out, right? And let's say you're going to do the 1099 contractor thing. You need to go look up if they're registered with the state. They have to basically be like a sole proprietor, something like that. Another piece of advice. If you want to do work for multiple people and you are, let's say the recession hits again and you're like, oh, I'm just going to piecemeal from four or five. I'm going to freelance. Freelance. Uh, Register yourself. Register yourself. Incorporate. It's not that hard. Go to the secretary of state. Fill out your i 9 your W four for yourself, oh, and, yeah. and then, check yourself, vet yourself. I would you <laughs> exactly. You have to have your uh, passport. You oh, have to look. Oh, you got to check. You have to sign that you've checked your own. <laughs> yeah, driver's license. That, that, that's why it was redundant, and that's why I yeah. like. I wanted to hear it from this lady's mouth. Yep. And acknowledge the redundancy, and she did it with. She was unflappable. Like there was no laughing. It was just stone cold. Oh yeah, that, you got to do that. Yep. Oh my god. So um, this, this is why. Let's say you are in that situation or that situation happens. You can use that as a benefit of why to hire you than anyone else. That all of your Absolutely. ducks are in the Absolutely. I didn't even think about that. That is brilliant. You just have all your paperwork ready to go. Yep. And that's why every one of you should also have your own website. 
because you know you're working in HOM, HOK, whatever, and all of a sudden everything hits the fan. Your website's up. You already have stuff. You're ready you, to go for that next ha- recession because yep. it's gonna happen. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people are saying uh, with the con- consumer price index. If anybody, if anybody, um, so, there's a recent report that came out the consumer consumer price index and the way that the inflation is going that the recession is due like any any year. We're, yep. we're ready for it. So yeah, be prepared. So <clears throat> the the other what the heck? So you fill out the paperwork. Where are we at with this? Fill right. out the paperwork. You. Uh, Make sure you get your own website, or you make sure the other people have their own website, right? And then they're registered with the state. If you, if all of those things fall into place, and you're an employer and you're looking to hire a contract, a 1099 contractor, then then it's okay to make them a 1099. You know, then they're that. If one of those pieces are not in place, you, they have to be a W four. There's no other yeah. way. So the other last piece of advice I would give somebody is, let's say you're not an employer. Let's say you are an employee. Know that you are you know know that if somebody thinks you're a 1099, if you're going into the office every day yep. and you're you're not, you're a W four. And like I don't know how you somehow you have to somehow you have to be like the good cop in that situation. I think, and you have to come to the employer and say, look, I heard this I heard this from such and such or whatever, and here's how it works. Like I don't want you guys to get in trouble. What what how can we work this out? Because I I know about all these sort. You do see what I'm saying? Well, you're talking about if the contractor is saying that. Yeah. Well, one, if you have all your ducks in the row, you should be good. And then two, but, I but th- I'm saying if they if they don't, if it if it is a grad student and he just came oh. out and he's just he's just like oh I, you know he, he, yeah get get your ducks in a row and then present the solution. Say hey, I'm listening to uh, Inside the Firm. Everyone at your company should listen to it. The guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to make sure you guys have these because I heard that uh, even in the in the future they might come back and look. So just just give them some. You gotta look, just look like the good guy and be the good guy. Here's the other thing too: if you're in a pickle too, and you the majority of your work is for one firm, but they won't hire you. Let's say they won't hire you, but you get 70, 80, 90, 100 percent from them. I would just know the argument if because th- that the person investigating does call these contractors after the yep. audit. After the audit calls them, and if they say, hey, do you get all of your work or majority of your work from them? You can answer truthfully, but says, I think, you know, I think I know where you're going. And um, I, I still consider myself an independent contractor because even if they fail, I might choose to work. If the economy is good, I will choose to work for someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And there will that work will still be there. They failed for some other reason independent of me. If um, the economy is bad and they fail... I might fail irregardless, so it has nothing to do with them. I would just have that in your back brain yeah. pocket. Back boop, boop. Your little tiny back brain pocket. Yeah, there's a little zipper back there. So <laughs> you got hair for. People don't know, but if you search around. <laughs> yeah. So that's the audacity of the audit that we went through. Uh, I hope I hope people can learn from it. Uh, honestly, if anybody else, have, like Alex said, if anybody else has any stories, comments, questions about that, would love to hear, love to have a discussion yeah. about it. Um, but- AKG at F9Productions.com. Yeah. Um, Facebook, all that, Twitter, all yeah. that stuff. Okay. Uh, the next little segment we're going to do is the code quiz. Whoop so, whoop. uh, if you listen to last week's episode, Lance is taking the, now I'm talking to a third person. What you should jerk. I'm taking the class B contractors test. So I am reading nearly, I'm not going to lie, nearly every word in the IRS, IBC 2015 code book. Skip some. I gotta skip some, dude. It's just oh god. There's a couple Lawyers. chapters I just I just wanted to shoot myself. Mm. But some chapters are really good. So Alex is also 
taking the uh, ARE ARE test. So in, I've already taken them, I've already passed them. And so there's some things in there that I remember, I'm not going to tell them exactly what's on the, because that's illegal. We do legal stuff here. Yes, we do. But I do know, I, I can tell based on, if it was, if I was making up the test, these are just some of the questions I'll ask. So we're going to do three questions, okay? Everybody play along. Nobody can look in the in the code book. And our, our good friend Evan Troxel said he nailed both questions last last episode. Oh, nice. So we'll see. He knew what a proscenium was, and he knew what a sally port was. You know what? I'm actually impressed by that because I, well, I, I follow said, Evan, and I, I kind of know what he does, and he does a lot of good stuff, but those are still very rare. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I, so yeah. he, he and I were talking back and forth in the Entree community. He goes, he goes, uh, he's like, that sounds awful, but good luck, break a leg. And then I said, yeah, the only way to get through it is if I lock myself in a Sally port. Arky Speak podcast is his podcast, by the way. Yeah, super with good. some other guys, super good, super good. Okay, here's number one. Okay, this is out of chapter ten, means of egress. Yep. The code is. One zero zero three point two ceiling height. Okay, you have you have. There's only one correct answer for this question, Alex. Ready? Okay. The means of egress shall have a ceiling height of okay. not less than which okay. of the following: six feet, seven feet, seven foot six, or eight. I immediately wrote down seven foot. Incorrect. You failed again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you. Were, wait, wait. I knew you were gonna say seven, and I bet. Uh, did you say seven because we deal with so many houses? Because seven, probably. seven, seven probably. is the key Okay, there. let me think about this. Not in in a house. Let me think about this in means of egress. Okay, say them to me again. Uh, the whole question, or no, no, you, no, okay. just the answer. Six feet, seven feet, seven foot six, eight feet. Oh yeah, I haven't told you the answer. Um, so it's not seven. So seven, six, eight, or six. Uh, means of egress. This is such a perfect ARE question, too. I'll tell you why. If you would just... I want to say six six is too low because six foot eight should be... Because that's the threshold for doors. Doors, stairs. To go below that. So now it's between seven foot six and Uh eight feet. And I'm going to say... I want to say seven foot six, but I think I'll... I'm going to say seven six. Correct. Correct. That's why it's the perfect ARE question, because yeah. it's freaking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I don't know. There's probably some good reason, but that one that one really stuck out to me. I was like, what? Seven foot six? Hmm. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. So you got to have seven foot six in like a fire rated corridor to get people out of a building, stuff like that, right? Yep. Are, well, doesn't your means of egress extend into the room? But this, But for residential, you wouldn't, residential wouldn't apply to the IBC. That's why this all makes sense. Right. Means of egress starts at the door, yeah. like from a space. So in a, in a commercial building, IBC, can you not have a room lower than seven foot six? No, you can, ha- you can have rooms lower than seven foot six. But doesn't the means of egress start from the farthest corner? Uh, I don't know. You can argue it all day long. There's exceptions. There's you know what's exceptions. so funny is that that's why it's a perfect question too. Yeah, exactly. For the area because... I, would have, t- I, I don't know. I think I, I would have to look that up. But I feel like you can do... Unless the means of egress only only counts once you get in the hallway, but they count the distance from the corner of the room. Now, yeah, now you're making me think I should have brought the code book in and then read you definition for means of egress. So. You can, we, we can pause and we can get some coffee. We can get some... Yeah, you need some coffee? Why not? Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, here's the definition. You ready? Okay. I'm going to read it to you and then you just tell me how you interpret it, all right? Means of egress. 
a continuous and unobstructed path of vertical and horizontal egress travel from any occupied portion of a building or structure to a public way. A means of egress consists of three separate and distinct parts, the exit access, the exit, and the exit discharge. Don't we have, <laughs> maybe we'll have to pause again, don't we have the IBC Visual Graphics Companion? I don't think so. I thought we did. Oh, only in PDF, maybe. Yeah. So, at first it said any, the first part made me think I was right, that everything has to be seven foot six. Then it said the three parts, and none of that said a room. Exactly. So it's not. So it's from the, because it's from the first part, the, yeah. uh, the exit access. So yeah, that's the I'm access to the exit. Exactly. Yep. One, yeah. Terrible writing by lawyers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, this is from chapter 11, accessibility. Section 1103, scoping requirements. Okay, ready? This is, uh, for this one, I'll give you a hint. Two of these answers are um, right. Two of them are wrong. Okay, so you have, oh. to, you have to guess two of them, okay? okay? Which of the following site, buildings, structures, etc., are exempt from being designed to be accessible? Daycare facilities in a home. Okay, that's key. Daycare facilities in a home. Or highway, tooth highway toll booths. Or... Residential group R1 or raised areas in places of religious worship. So I'm going to repeat the question one more time. Which of the following site buildings, sites, buildings, structures, etc., are exempt from being designed to be accessible? A. Daycare facilities in a home. B. Highway toll booths. C. Residential group R1. D. Raised areas in places of religious worship. Which of those two are exempt, Alex? You know what? I, I was going to say um, my initial reaction, and I, this isn't my final reaction, is daycare in a home. And I think I'm going to stick with that one. Um, and then it was the raised in a religious, um, raised portion in a religious structure. That those, those are. Yep. But I, but I don't know if it's that. That those are exempt. Exempt. But then the toll booth one, I think, oh, that'd be exempt. But man, it's so easy. It's so easy to be, to make it because, but they don't have a turning radius. But then is it, if there's like a B classification, you could technically do it. Uh, but then do you have to make them all where that height? So I, I, I'm like count like counter heights and, you know, yeah. think about it. Yeah. Think so about I'm going to say working. daycare and toll booths. Uh, so you got one of the two, you got one of the two correct. Yeah. Okay, which and one? And the one that you got correct is highway toll booths. Wow. How did you not get residential group R1 correct? That one is exempt from being ADA compliant. That's just a single family home. Uh, because I was thinking that they like, wouldn't cover IRC things. Because if that's IRC, then don't address it. They in actually, IBC. you would be amazed about how many times they reference. They, they just, like, they will make it clear that residential is exempt from this or this or this throughout the IR, the IBC. Yeah. So, so that makes sense thinking that way. What, what, what's crazy about it is that we, remember when we were telling the building officials know that they reference each other and, and the code speak to each other. Yeah. And they said, they told us no, they told us no. What was this in Lakewood? Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. Remember? Yep. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> again, it's uh, my only point is that they can interpret 
these things in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the part that blew my mind was highway toll booths. Could not, could not believe that. I mean, yeah. I, I just thought, what? That's even like a public, technically a public space because, right, highway... Yep, we're talking about you know publicly funded spaces, but yep, highway toll booths. I I feel like you tricked me when you said daycare, and you're like in a home. That's key. So I'm like, ah, hint, hint. Well, that's hint, hint. You see, I could write the ARE quests or questions. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm tricky like that. That That's a weird double negative right there, or double weirdness. Yeah. Uh, And then the key. So what do you think the key is? Here's here's the bonus question. Okay. Yep. This is I'm just making this up right now. For the raised area of uh, raised areas in, pl- in places of religious wor- worship, okay. Uh, those ones. Hold on one second. So, what is the square footage? Okay. Oh. What is the square footage? If it's under, then yep. you don't have to be. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. What is the number of square footage that would trigger it to be versus not? Okay. okay. I'll give you two answers. Okay. One, if somehow it's a third of the floor plate below and you call it a mezzanine that's a that's maybe and my other one is uh aggregate of three thousand square feet your your number is your number is close in regards to having one too many zeros so 300 square feet okay so that platform you know let's say you built designed a church and then the middle is a platform and the and the priest or whoever the dds you know stands up and talks 300 square feet if gotcha. you're over that got to be accessible Got to be okay. accessible. And what I why I thought that made sense is, like, if you go if you go to the occupancy table, a lot of a lot of the occupancies are based on like two three hundred square feet, right, per person. Yes, type of yes. thing. That makes sense. And know why you could write these questions is because if someone knew the code, mm-hmm. they would say, ah, raised areas and religious. If it's under three hundred feet, it's exempt. So it's tricky. That that's a tricky one, isn't it? Exactly, and they could know even more than me. Exactly, and yet still get it wrong. Yeah, you tricksters. <laughs> okay, so this is the this is the last one. This one is hilarious. Yeah. Section one one. So same well, chapter. T- time out. Time out. Why aren't you asking all the ones that you text me like the last two nights where I'm like, yeah, I know that, I know that, I knew that. Which has to be those because ones. of what you just explained. <laughs> because I, I do. I want to make you look, you know. Like ah, you don't foolish. know anything on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. That that three thousand um, aggregate rule. Does, just so other people know, if you're under two uh, two, two stories, stories. three thousand square foot, you are exempt. So that's where that number exempt came from. from from doing um, basically uh, an elevator, escalator, or anything up to an that. elevator or even an accessible route. Yep. 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 And under seventy five, so your path has to be seventy five feet or less. Yep. Yep. It, or less exactly small, small buildings rock dude the more the more i get through this like this irbc code i'm like oh man i don't know if we ever want to do giant buildings yeah. it just seems like everything's in your favor at that point as far as not having to do extra steps not that we're trying to discriminate it just costs more money yep okay and, yeah those were the ones we were talking about the other night yep, so right, i right, knew right, because right. of our development that we're doing yeah all right <clears throat> this is the third one section same chapter section 1110.4.12.1 Minimum number. Nice. 300. What? There's only one correct answer. 300. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> what percentage of holes on a miniature golf course shall be accessible? Wow. I'm not kidding. A, 25%. B, 33%. C, 55%. D, 75%. The lowest one. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I, there's a typo. I'll... I'll let me change the typo real quick here and reread the answers to you, okay? And, and the question. 
What percentage of holes on miniature golf courses shall be accessible? A, 25%, B, 33%, C, 50%, D, 75%. That's a, I, this is going to be a pure guess because uh, we have not designed many miniature golf courses. Yet. I, no, <laughs> After I, this, though. Honestly, this on my resume for yeah. knowing this question it is one of the reasons these are the questions is because you saw that and you're like, we're like, what? Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way. I have a whole d- list. I have a whole list as I read through this where it's like, what? Yeah. I'll go with. Come on, give us your rationale. I liked how you ran through the rationale of the okay. other ones. 25% is, if it's going to be something, 25% is too low. It just seems too low, right? Yep. 75% seems too high, but it's a miniature golf course, so they might say, hey, you need to comply with that. Uh-huh. 33 kind of rhymes with the 300. The, it seems like a nice rational okay. one. Wow, look at you. You are just ready for ARE weird questions. Yeah, exactly. So, and then and then 50% seems like it could be, but it seems like a cop-out. It seems like you didn't think about it, right? So, that's why I don't think it's 50%. So, I'm debating between 33% and 75%. Oh, okay. I thought you nixed 75. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's your final answer, Alex? Okay. I, I wanted to say 33, but you, I feel like you're messing with me. Uh-huh. So, then I want to say 75. I am messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real question. <laughs> 75. Eh, 50%. Ah, see, that would have been tricky, right? That, that would have been tricky. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. Half. I don't know. <laughs> Bob, what do you think? <laughs> no, Frank, what half? <laughs> half? What do you I think? I guess. You would think, you would th- you know what I, th- well, 50%. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. Now, every time I go to miniature golf course, You're, I'm going to observe. Yeah. 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 You're in the Sioux unless they give you a free game. Exactly. Exactly. Free stuff for life from Miniature Golf. Look out, Miniature Golf Course. Yeah, I'm coming after you. Yeah. It's Lance Psycho of F9 Productions. You can see his picture at F9Productions.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, I believe it is time for our our uh, annual, what is it called again? It's called Q&A. Q&A. Actually, it's called... Exa- Best and worst advice. Yep. But this was another uh, Ron Flighty, uh, famous, famous uh, architect down in Denver. So I did more of a Q&A than just his best and worst advice. Um, I'll let Lance decide if he's going to pause it and interrupt or if he's going to let the whole thing fly. So we'll see you in a little bit. All right. I'm here with Ron Flighty. Is that how you say it? That's how you say it. Awesome. Jerry just told me that. Um, down here in Denver, uh, I knew about Ron since I got here. Um, actually one of the projects that we got, someone called us up and said, Hey, another architect was doing this. Um, but, but he's too busy. And we're like, okay, who is it? And they go Ron Flighty. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked him up. I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you're known, you're a known guy down in Denver. I don't know how known you are. Maybe you can speak to this. How, how pop, I, I feel like you're pretty popular. Um, Jerry, yeah, so Jerry's over there chiming in. Yeah. So a lot of you probably know him, which I wouldn't be surprised. So Ron, let's just get into it. Let's okay. talk about some of your. Let's start out with best advice. What's some of the best advice you've got or that you'd given? Okay, this has to do with practicing architecture. Okay. Probably the best advice that I've ever heard or that I was ever given was. Um, to become an idea-driven decision-maker. 
And that is both in terms of practice and personal life decisions. And that is, there are two realms. There's the realm of the kickable world, and there's the realm of the idea world. And to pay attention to the idea and the ideals, but mostly th it's the idea. That is probably, without a doubt, the most important lesson I was ever given. What do you mean by the, the kickaboo world? Uh, well, it's what you can touch. Oh. It's, it's, it's the physical world, which is different than the world of ideas. Yep. An idea would be the idea of, say, love or passion or um, you know, anything that is not kickable is an idea. Okay, kickable, not kickaboo. Kick a bowl. Kick a bowl. Okay. Sorry I about that. <laughs> no, I, I must have heard that wrong. Okay. That, that's very, it's a very interesting thought. Um, and you must, uh, could you give an example of how you apply this to your projects? Yes. So for instance, um, oh, one idea that I bring uh, pretty consistently to projects is the idea of the dialectic. Now that is, the dialectic is something which is uh, an idea about opposites. And it can apply to a conversation, it can apply to design decision making, um, it can apply to um, the kickable world as well as the idea world. So for instance, in the idea world, the dialectic plays out whereby you have an idea, you arbitrarily come up with what you want to have as its opposite. This is not yin-yang, they don't complement each other, they don't create a whole, they in fact remain separate, and it's the juxtaposition the in-between, which is so important. Um, in designing my own house, for instance, I was working with a 1924 masonry bungalow, which is a masonry box. So what's its opposite? Maybe a steel frame. And so when I did the house, I combined the steel frame addition to the masonry box, and they live in opposition to each other, not complementary. And so the, the magic is in the in-between. Yep. The fact that the two exist um, separate and independently, but they create this third condition, which is the undesigned, That's which I didn't do. I didn't design that. All I did was come up with an opposite. Yeah. How about, I think you mentioned that it could apply to architecture and life. I'm very interested. How do you see it applying to just regular general life? The dialectic. No, just um, the oh, being okay. decision through ideas. I see what you're saying. Okay, so now I'm going to get a little bit uh, maybe philosophical or theoretical. I'm going to refer to Aristotle and Plato. Okay, Aristotle suggested that the cosmos, the universe, is a cumulative unity. In other words, it's this plus this plus this plus this plus this. And so what becomes important then is the syntax between these things, the one plus the one plus the one, and you add them all up. Whereas Plato said, no, that's not the universe, the cosmos. We are actually working with a singular whole which you can arbitrarily divide into little bits. <coughs> but in fact, it is right. a single thing. And so I tend to see the advantage of thinking in either term, mm -hmm. okay, and so I, I can and I can apply that to the architecture as well as my own life and my own understanding of where I place myself in the cosmos. Gotcha, gotcha. Very interesting. I, I think people should ponder that too because not only are you making 
moves in architecture, design, sketches, but you make moves in lives too. And you, whatever you do kind of has an opposite effect or there's space in between that. And that might have intended or unintended consequences. It might be beautiful or disastrous. That's right. And it's the unintended that I'm interested in. You know, so what is a couple, you know, a husband and a wife? Hopefully they still remain separate and independent, but as a unit, a singular whole. Now the, <coughs> the, the division as to what belongs to whom is arbitrary. Yeah. You get to decide. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, let's switch over gears. Let's go to the opposite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about some bad advice that you've heard about, got, or even gave? Have you <laughs> never asked that before? But maybe something, I, I don't mean to push this on you, but I actually want to yeah. think about this. Maybe I'm, I'm sure there's times we've all said something where we thought mm, maybe that wasn't the best, but We'll leave that on the table for now unless, unless you can think of something. Oh, okay. So the worst advice um, that I ever got was to not go to college. I was actually advised by a number of people, and one person in particular who had some authority in my life when I was younger, uh, who suggested that I not continue my education past high school. And, um, and that was probably the worst... Uh, advice I've ever received is to not not go to higher education, not to continue learning, not to understand that to be a, a satisfied human being, that the learning experience is forever. Yeah. Sometimes it's academic. Sometimes it's, you know, hard knocks. Yep. <laughs> There's many ways to learn, but the, that was that's probably the worst advice I ever received. Did, um, did you? You must not have listened to it. Uh, I, did, I pretty much ignored it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I now have four post-high school degrees. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Anything you want to touch on uh, else before we leave? You know, it, 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 to get back to the practice of architecture, we, I think it's helpful to understand that the practice of architecture and the discipline of architecture are two separate things. Obviously, there's an overlap, and obviously they inform each other. But to engage in the discipline of architecture has lifelong reward, not only for you, but for your clients and for how you can influence other people's lives. The practice of architecture, that's the nitty-gritty. That's let's get through the day, let's cross our T's, dot our I's, let's deal with A the social, ADA. The political, ADA, you know. Um, well, maybe not ADA, because that's actually changing people's lives. Mm, but, true. But dealing with the politics of uh, City Hall and all these kinds of things, that you simply have to suffer through. Um, the fact is, is the practice of architecture, at the end of the day, allows you to go home happy, even if you don't have a whole lot of fun during the day. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Ron. It was good to meet you uh, for the first time. Um, and uh, best of luck. You do amazing work. So it was just great meeting you. Thank you. And we're back. Uh, thanks. Big thanks to Ron. I've met Ron a few times, and um, I always appreciate his insight. Very thoughtful man. Uh, I, I like his philosophy, you know, the, his expression of philosophy and all those, all those things. What struck me, what I kind of just had to reiterate the in-between back to myself. So I wrote something down that said, it says, <clears throat> the in-between 
the in without the in-between, nothing can be a whole, and therefore the in-between matters most, but we don't design the in-between. And then I started thinking of, what is it? Do we have any projects where there's you feel like we we've that there's been a happy in between, where it's just we have there's something that is surprising when you walk through a new space or something like that. We're like, wow, that that makes all kinds of sense now that I now that I see it. The only one I can think of was a uh, studio project. And I think this had a nice in between. Um, so it was for a concrete factory. You probably remember this. And the entrance, I made an abstract um, circle, basically to to sort of mimic the tumbling uh, back I have, of. A I have a perfect one now. That I think about it, but keep yeah. going. Concrete truck. So it was it was abstract, and then over the top of this entrance was glass, but there was rebar that kind of held everything together. And for some reason, right now, when you when you talk like that, and when Ron talks like that. It seems like that space in there, that in between those things that you made, is really thick. It seems very, th very a, thick. A very thick place. To and be. without without it, it feels like everything else wouldn't even be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was I, I really. I really like what he had to say about that. You know what's the perfect example that we have? What skyscraper? Do you remember that the so Alex and I did a skyscraper. We won it. We won a design competition for it in yeah. school, and it's basically these two towers. So if you go to, if you go to our website, you go to Facebook, you can find a, find an F nine. When we designed that, remember, we you know we we went through this process of like morphing the the form of it for for good reasons. You know, solar orientation. Then we twisted it. Like we really took a rectangle, your typical skyscraper, and molded it to be as if it was growing. Right. That's the idea behind grow. The last thing that we designed that was a happy accident was in between the two towers, there's a fog collection system. That was just a happy accident of the in-between. And if that in-between didn't exist, then how could we how could we get all of that rainwater, right, so that we could have the building and then it could grow? Yeah. Per perfect example. I can't believe I didn't think about that before. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, one thing I took away from it was, excuse me, the discipline versus the practice. And... There's a lot of times I, it's, you guys have probably heard us complain maybe, maybe once or twice about maybe the city or <laughs> <laughs> maybe the government. I don't know if we've ever even done it this podcast, but no. uh, you, you might have heard about it. And it, it probably gives me a better perspective. Um, that's going to, I think that's going to exist in every practice. I don't think that's unique to architecture. Oh, yeah. So if you're sitting here and like, oh, I don't want to do architecture because of this and that, maybe just know that that is a part of everyone's life and you do have to get through it unless you have a job like Joe Rogan where he podcasts, does fights, uh, uh, announces fights and works out and just talks to cool people. Um, most lately the way I've been dealing with just the grind of the profession is so my prior to hiring, hiring our latest two additions, my, my back was just, it was just killing me. I carry all my stress right between my shoulder blades and it just like it bundles up. I went to chiropractors. No, nothing helps except for me doing what I want. So for the last two weeks, I have only done what I want. You know what I mean? I haven't felt that I, I've had to. And one of the things I want to do is I, I honestly don't really want to draw anymore as far as in, in, in Revit and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would like to be this, a salesman, uh, the developer, contractor, yeah. all those things. My back has felt phenomenal lately. So I think for me, it's if you, if you can, if you can make your life that way, where like generally you're doing what you want, I feel like you're most present. I feel like you're in, you're 
that is in life. You're not future. You're not forward. Yep. Good advice. And then I'll just contrast it. One of the coolest guys on the planet, I think right now is Elon Musk. And if someone told you or me like, Hey, you can be ahead of two companies, one that makes spaceships, one that makes, I wouldn't say the coolest cars on the planet, but like very hip, awesome cars. And then you can transform possibly the whole grid to make it green, sustainable energy to be like, wow, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, but in an interview, they asked him about his job and, you know, basically saying like, oh, it just must be wonderful. You know, you're, I don't know. He might be the smartest. You're changing the world. Yeah. But you might be the smartest guy on the planet, Mm -hmm. honestly, you you know, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, but what I don't talk about and what you don't normally see is that as a boss, normally all the decisions that are easy or are in line don't come to me. I get all the decisions and the questions of the stuff that doesn't work out, that is a problem. So he's like, my life is dealing with hell. <laughs> <laughs> and and he has I don't, billions of dollars. I, I'm, well, I'm, he's worth uh, 14.9, I think was the wow. last estimation. Exactly. And of course, he probably has can fly places. And, and um, not to say that his life is bad by any stretch. Remarried his wife. Remarried his wife. But, about that, but yeah. if you think about that, and I think there's some truth, like, yeah, he's probably dealing with some. Yeah. Some, he has to be. He yeah. has to be. Yeah. Okay. Great. Last thing here, a little bit of little bit of development talk, but it only has to no no development nope. talk. There will be, but as, uh, we kept talk, I kept talking with Ron. I just wanted to bring up one more point. Oh, okay. I tried to secretly record it, but it didn't work. I even oh, told him okay. I was okay. secretly recording it, and I, and I just asked, "How are you? How do you approach projects?" And I'm going to butcher his answer because I don't have oh, the recording. Oh, so, so sorry. Repeat the question for me. I Ron, how do you how do you start or approach a project? Okay. And Jerry chimed in, and he goes. Well, this is what I don't believe about Ron. Ron's going to lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, because Ron says he doesn't listen to the client. And Ron's like, that's right, I don't. (laughs) And he goes, I I start with a box and I try to disprove it. And if I can't disprove it, you're getting a box. And I go, I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) You're Uh, serious. Yeah. And then he goes, and then this is the part I'm going to butcher. The client, huh? he says that but like every yeah, yeah. Pe- people people have their own little yeah. yeah but i like that he starts with a box and tr- tries to disprove it because he goes box is rational if you can make it work that's what you're getting and then he said uh, a bunch of terms that i can't remember and were probably over my head a little bit but then how he approaches it is essentially the means methods and materials so he thinks about those and that's what he applies so a lot of people might apply the He's already thinking about the floor plan because he's just starting with a box and trying to approve, you know, disprove it. But then I think most people might go to windows so or elevations. So instead of trying to make a solution, he's trying to disprove a solution. Yeah. Huh. Yes. And then it's, it's more abstract in I'm not placing windows. I'm thinking about means, materials, and methods. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Is that how you're going to design your house now? My house is already designed. It's boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got anything else for us or are we going to wrap this up? We'll wrap this up. We'll go to development. You want to talk development talk? I just wanted to pause before oh, we go. Okay, great. Yes. Yes. Development talk. So yep. this is, this is uh, Alex will lead us through this. Uh, you are set to sell your home soon. Yep. And so, this pertains to us because? Because I was going to sell my house by owner. So I know the process so that I can know it when we do our development. So by owner, I thought, okay, I got pictures um, by myself, um, 
uh, and basically, if you want pictures for your house, you can get a professional photographer. They're going to cost you at a minimum 500 and up, you know, to 2000 3000 4000 But there's spe- special people that just take real estate photos. They cost about 150 bucks. The, honestly, they're not going to be as good as the professional ones, uh, but they are going to be good because that's what they do. And I know... I had Jason teach me Lightroom right before he left. And I know I could have done it in Photoshop, but Lightroom is a little bit better. It's another Adobe project, uh, um, product. So then I just touched them all up in Lightroom. So then they looked they looked really nice. From the professional? From the professional. Oh, okay. Touched them up again. Um, well, yeah. So I did that. And then I thought, okay, I was going to sell it literally tomorrow. I was going to put it on the market. Um, it was going to be ready to on go. On Saturday. Yep. Which is a Saturday. Y- yep. Yeah. And... Lance, for Zillow, it is this easy. You could go to your house right now on Zillow. You could find it and say, I'm the owner. It will send you like a text message, email confirmation, stuff like that. And then you have control over what pictures are on Zillow, what it says, and then you can say, list this house. And what does it cost? Zero dollars. Zillow, free. How do they make money? Probably advertisements. Advertisements, real estate Advertisements and then also the realtors who do somehow pay maybe... Yeah, yeah, because because a lot of realtors advertise on, on Zillow. Okay, and so once once you get hold so of that, your house, did, w- w- would that have got you on MLS though? Uh no, no. But but what's crazy about how good Zillow is? One, I think that's where a lot of people are looking. Yeah, and two, right now people. The, anyways, I'll keep going with Zillow. Then you get into like this is your house, like portion of it, so you can change everything, and then it gives you. It says. Houses similar to yours that have sold recently. So there's a map and it has different ranges. So, oh my gosh. It so tells you the comps? It tells you all the comps. And you can go in and you can you can click on that house and then you go to the Zillow page. So you see their pictures, you see their square footage, you see their bedrooms, you see everything. So it, it, it can you can look at a comp and say, is that comparable or not? Because let's say a comp... Uh, sold for it says it was a comp but it sold for 275 where my house is maybe 250 right 255 and be like oh there's they're semi-similar but they have all new finishes all new you know they'd be like okay i understand if i want to get that way i can maybe move my house that way or you know so that was it's what's amazing about that is we keep hearing about and we are seeing like already fast foods restaurants replace you know workers with these kiosks like that is a perfect example of how a realtor is now replaced by an algorithm in Zillow. Yeah. To a, to a T. And honestly, I think, um, so I get some MLS listings and the, it, it's in a weird format. They show you one picture. It looks all, t- it looks like the government made the form. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Like the MLS is not keeping up. I don't, honestly, I, if it, if it really exists in five years, it's only because of protectionism. It's not because it's a good service. Yeah. But the, honestly, but I'm not a real estate agent. This is just from a consumer standpoint. Okay. Um, because Zillow is kicking its butt. So anyways, I, I, I figured out, I put all my pictures on Zillow. And then I, since I'm selling it myself, I'm like, I'm going to email the top 10 that I think I emailed 15 best real estate agents in Long Beach. How did you find them? Uh, Google top 10. (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping that was the way you did it. You mean to tell me it's that easy? So I made a list of their emails and then I sent them all an email and said, Hey, this is my house. I'm going to sell it this weekend. Blah, blah, blah. Here you go. Uh Like immediately two people are like, Hey, I might have someone, blah, blah, blah. And then a third one. And these are all like five stars, 
you know, 50 to 400 reviews. One person emailed one of the, one of the You're first kidding. people. Seriously, that many reviews? Honestly, I hate to yeah. get Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. I thought we were cool with like 20 plus on certain no, websites. No, we're not cool. We're not cool uh, at all. Um, she said, hey, <clears throat> I would like to uh, list your house. And the reason why is because I like to be where the action is. And the, because the action is where everything is. Uh, and I buy that because that that's honestly our philosophy is being the it action is, and to is, give first. It is. It is. So I immediately gelled with that thought process. Yeah. And that she said she was going to do it for free because I would just do it myself. Right. So she comes and uh, uh, I meet with her. She's all great. And she's still doing it for free. Um, she'll probably be my agent when I buy my new house. I'm so blown away that she's doing it for free too because the market is so hot and anything under $300,000 right now will yeah. sell immediately in, in anywhere, Colorado. And for usually $10,000 over asking yep. price, it's a hot ticket item. Yep. You get multiple offers. If, if I get what I want above my asking, I'm going to cut her a check for some petty cash. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be a, you know, mean person about it. Well, yeah. Um, but I almost think the other reason I just put in the front line, Hey, uh, I have firm F9 productions, you Prin- know, principle of an architecture, firm. architecture firm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and, and honestly, if she's great, I think it will be a great relationship because we're, we're just getting started in a long month. So for her, she didn't have to, but it's, I hope it's going to be a smart move for her. I hope it was a smart move for me too. Um, so then, then she goes, okay. So, so you met with her Yep. and you still had the, the idea that you were going to put this on, on a Saturday. You were going to put the house on the yes. Yep. And then she proceeded to convince you otherwise, yep. right? And she's like, here's my strategy for selling a home to get above asking price. So I get professional pictures. I go, done. Um, Excuse me. Then I put it, uh, I list it on MLS and Zillow and everything five days before the showing, the open house. Yes, the five days the op- before the open house. Hey, don't let anyone see it. Yep. You can't see it. There's open house. You can come on the open house. And open houses are best done on the weekends, so we're yep. probably talking like a Monday, Saturday. Tuesday of listing it. Yep, yep, Monday, yep. Tuesday listing. So Saturday will be the open house, and then she goes, I have a very short open house. It's going to be from one to three, and that way we get as much traffic in. She's like, I'll invite the neighbors, invite everyone. If you want to show up, you should show up. Just walk around so it looks like people yeah. are there. Um, the, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's possible. I can maybe make it. Yeah. Yeah. Just drive by. Oh, that looks like an awesome house. But, okay. But are you going to, for my open house, I, we, I had water and cookies. Oh yeah. We, so for, well, I sold hey, my we're house. Water's coffee and cookies. Beautiful. It, so I, it, for coffee, my, yeah, I sold yeah. my house last year, made, made a, a very good profit on it. And we did the same strategy. So Alex actually called me and said, Hey, is this, is this, is this right? Right. And I go, Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Mar- Maryland, this is what we did for my house. We got, we got as much money as we wanted. Yeah. And, and then, and then it went from there. And I, I think the only new addition to this is that she goes, we have the inspection pre. Oh yes. Yeah. So this, right? this was an interesting caveat. Yep. So here's how that works is that, uh, the it, it's real. It, it's one of the it's the inspectors. There's a whole group. They're a whole company. I won't say their name because I just it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, they're I think they're a national company. Okay, they, they've been great, and they come and inspect it, and then they give you. I have a whole checklist mm-hmm. of stuff, and honestly, everything in my house is extremely minor. Um, but then there's a list of of things. So I'll give you an example. Um, uh, around my attic, my access to my Crawl space. Um, crawl, crawl space. I'm going to put um, a little rubber stopper to make sure no water from the outside gets in there. Okay. Um, just a, a whole bunch of little little stupid stuff, but but good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then she's going to give that to the people that are, are offering and say, here you go. Make it, you know, make it's make already, your it's co- already done. It's already done. And essentially what it's saying is like, you know what? We don't, we aren't looking for anyone who's looking for guff. And exactly. Guff, get exactly. Out of here. It takes, yeah. It, it, it narrows the riffraff out. Anybody, yep. anybody who's thinking they're getting a deal. I mean, or like a really, or, or, or can get more thing you to do like all these ticky tacky or yeah. even something like big maybe, but there is nothing big. And here's what an astute, uh, buyer's agent would probably do is they'll hopefully see that and say, okay, we're going to waive the inspection. And there, there's, there's two reasons, two reasons to do this. One is that if I get an offer, that's the same. And one says, I'm going to waive the inspection. One says, I'm not, I'm going to take the one that's going to waive the inspection and not, not because like I'm trying to get away with anything like that. But what she said is what, what you don't want to do psychologically is put up uh, roadblocks when they're trying to get this done, yep. right? So let's say it's another people who are busy. Um, if they have to hire someone, look at the report, judge, oh, okay. Uh, it looks like there's like a, a couple things, like maybe there should be some rubber around uh, something. Like it, it, just, it just hampers the whole process. Exactly. So if you take away every barrier to it, and, and I think that's, that's generally marketing. If you take away all the barriers to your product and your product is a good product, it should sell faster and for more, right? Yeah. So it made complete sense to me. And yeah. that's the main point is that like, you just want the train to keep rolling. Exactly. Okay. Let me ask you, let me ask you a closing question then. Yep. So How- did I say this list, I'm going to go and just do them. Yes. And then, and then I won't have a list. There won't be a list on the expected exactly. because I did it. No, you're taking all the barriers. Yep. yep. You said that. So here, here's my closing question for today. Yeah. Then. 42. 300. How would, how do you, have you thought about how this would translate into our development then from the standpoint of, you know, we, a lot of, a lot of developers will have, they'll finish a model home, right? And then everybody walks through the model home and then they sign to do, you know, let's say it's a develop like it's, let's say it's a, a neighborhood like mine where there's 24 lots. They have a model home. People walk through the model home say, oh, I really love this, um, but I'd like it modified. And then we want this lot of land. So then we're going to buy this lot of land. Well, we're doing, we're doing condos, right? We're yep. going to do them. Ideally, we're going to do them all at once. Yep. So let's say we finish them all at once. Do you do the same strategy? Do you do the same strategy where you list them all? Because a lot of people that we've been talking to, especially you have been saying, if you guys get to the price when you're talking to, they're going to just go so quickly. Yeah. So I, I think we do the same strategy. Um, and we're gonna, I want to combine two strategies. One, let's list them all and then say, hey, we have a virtual open house. And in, in here. Oh, that's cool. We have, we'll have a 3D printed model. We'll have, we have screens, we have computers, we'll have the material boards, all that. And then we'll say, we'll, we'll list one it. One to three. What? One to three. It's just panic time. Yep. One to, we'll list it five days before and say Saturday from one to three. Here you go. And then here's the other thing too. Hey, um, I, I actually know you Did have. You already, you, already, you already thought about this. Yeah. Look at this guy. Yeah. Um, this th- is why he makes medium dollars. I mean, those big, big <laughs> mediums are, fa- they're, they're thick. They're thick medium dollars. It's the in-between. Yeah, it's the in-between. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so buying a new house, and I hope a lot of people come to us and they're buying new houses because that's who's in the market. And if you've ever bought from these big builders, it, it's layer after layer of them slowly increasing like their budget. It's, it's okay, you, you got your house, um, you got your basic version. They, they show you the moon. And then all of a sudden, everything on that moon was above the base. It price. was a layer, and and the the, the land is more. Um, then then there's 
physical changes. So having like two sinks is a physical change. Having a barn door is a physical change. So there's all that. And then you go to their design center and that's where you get to pick out carpet versus wood versus. So everything, whatever that base price is, add 25,000 on a minimum. Exactly. On a minimum. So I saw this, I'll, I'll send you this, uh, I'll put a link to it. This other, this developer in Texas. So he did houses and he basically says, there's no painting. Um, there's no, uh, what was it? No painting, uh, no electrical bills and, and something else. So he's making clean modern houses where the exterior is brick and stucco and the roof is metal. And then he has solar panels. So, he, so there's no bills and there's no maintenance. Yep. And they look cool. And you go to his website and he shows you, like you, you pick the house in the floor plan and it says, I think they're starting out at like 395, right? Whatever. And then you go to the pick the lot and the, they give you a lot and it's $0. If you want a bigger lot, you can choose it. But all those other ones, even getting a lot, the lot is never included. So that's 11,000 just to start with. Right. And then, um, then they have, it's so clear. It's like building your car. You can just choose upgrade or not, but the base levels are actually good levels. Like the outside is that stone, that, that whatever. Oh, another thing for the house is that every um, elevation, you know, like different, there was four or five different elevations was like four or five grand more. So like, it, I think the house I was looking at was 325. Okay, now it's 11,000 for the lot. Then to not have the most crap elevation ever was another 5,000. Then to have even, you know, like it just everything was, uh, AC was extra. Everything was extra. <laughs> Dog door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I would want to also make a website that's just like super, super clear. One, we're going to really limit options, but oh no, this is, this is, this is just simple. Everything is straightforward and very upfront. Yeah. Which these other guys don't do. I like it. I really like the the list so so you, you touched you talked about the one the first we're going to do two things you said so number one you said we're going to do this virtual open house right yep. what was what second step is the actual open house then right no no so it's just one well i will tr- try one and let's would see you if they all the, would you want to do the virtual tour before like before it's built i mean why couldn't it be at that point right it could be before it's built it could be mid construction so that they can see it and we can take pictures and say hey if you want to drive up and maybe someone's stationed right there outside um, j- just because, but, uh, and then say, see, we're already halfway. I like giving them because the other thing with these new houses too, it's at least nine months away because they haven't even started it Yeah, where this is like, no, this is three months. It'll be done in three months. You yep. can have it in three yep. months. That's clock's ticking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. That's excellent insight. Yeah. Anything else for everybody? I, I got nothing. So, hey, th- thanks. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. We ha- we hope you have a great week. Don't forget to uh, check us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And one more. We just found out on your phone you can give a review of our podcast. So there's a little icon right there. You don't have to go to iTunes or anything like that. Find the little rev- – I think it's under settings. Write a review, something like that. Please give us a review uh, on your iPhone on your for the for the podcast. It really helps out. All right. Thanks. See you next week.